Hey, dudes and dudettes, what's up? This is the Comedy Fitness Podcast with your host, Don Gray. Comedy and fitness, we love both. Bring them together for you every week. I want to say thanks to some of my sponsors, Title Boxing Club and Alpharetta, and also Tot Traveler for all your baby rental needs. You can hit up on the website, comedyfitness.com. Today is a special episode. I say that all the time, but this one really is special. I have a good friend, Al Romero, a fantastic stand-up. He's been a stand-up for... Al Chiman, how many days should have been stand up? I should have asked. Days? Years. Days. <laughs> how many years? I should have said. Uh, Al Romero, ladies and gentlemen, you know how I bring people in. Over 30 years. Over 30 years? Okay. So, you know, Al's, you know, a master comic, and he's one of those people that, you know, gets to tell me stories about the comedy heyday <laughs> yeah. when it was really, really good. Now it's not bad, but it used to be freaking awesome. And, like, and now, um, you know, tell me a little bit about that. Like, you know, I just start in comedy. I know you lived all over, but. Yeah, well, I started in, in Florida. I, I actually wanted to be an actor, and I started, you know, doing, you know, acting and doing plays and stuff like that. And um, and talking to some of my uh, fellow actors, I mentioned the fact that I also wanted to do stand-up. And uh, one of the fellow actors I was working with uh, brought uh, an article in the Miami Herald saying that they were going to start a comedy club. In in South um, Miami Beach, nice. Actually, it wasn't even Miami. Beach. No, what year is this? Beach, and uh, I went there on you know on a lark, and I I tried it, and I bummed my ass off. Of course, you know the first time, and and I loved it. I mean, I couldn't wait to go back, so I knew that this is something I wanted to do. What year was that? First year back in the in the early eighties. Nice, okay, eighties. Yeah. So, so I started you know I started that uh, with them, and then the comic strip opened in Fort Lauderdale. You know, that's where Eddie Murphy and all this yeah. started. And no, Florida was a good spot for comedy. For uh, Florida was and is yeah, a good yeah, spot yeah. for comedy. It's a good place yeah, for comics to live. The problem with Florida is they never paid any money. Yeah, well. The yeah. thing was, oh, come to Florida, you're on yeah. vacation. You, mm-hmm. know, you know, make a few bucks and you'll be on vacation. Make a few bucks. We'll pay you in sunshine and cocaine yeah, exactly. the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I know. Used, I've heard stories about oh, that. Oh, God. They used to try, um, I used to work a club, club where the guy tried to play me in prostitutes. Prostitute. <laughs> yeah. At least he offered more than one. He's like, well, you, you did a whole weekend. I think I that's said, uh, three hoes and a bag of cocaine. You're like, I, I said, just no, want that's money. okay. I find my own pussy. Just give me the money. Yeah, right. You know, exactly. Like, we, we, how about the cash? Like, you can't eat that stuff. You can't eat cocaine. You can't eat pussy. No, like, hey, 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 nutritious. Hey, I'm gonna give you this, and you can sell it for more money. I said, I'm not a fucking. I'm not a a, a drug dealer, man. I came here to do comedy, not to sell coke. You know, that's beautiful. Give me my money. I don't want the coke. The eighties, and then you made the jump to L.A. because the eighties, you know, was part of. I was very fortunate man i uh i have been doing comedy for less than a year mm-hmm. and uh i went on vacation on my i was working and i went on vacation with another comedian from the comic strip who talked me into going to la with him because he was going to go uh and i i knew a guy um lonnie shore i don't lonnie know shore it sounds familiar not paulie's dad if you if anybody no. listening to this remember the old dean martin Show. The roasts or the show? No, no, the show, the mm-hmm. Dean Martin show. He, Lonnie Shore used to have a part where he played uh, Dean Martin's barber, and Dean Martin will come in, sit at the barber's chair, and Lonnie Shore. Would, I've seen those, yes, right. And yes. Lonnie Shore will do the jokes. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Don uh, Lonnie will come to the comic clubs, and you know, and I became friends with him. And he said to me, you know, I'm very good friends with Mark Griffin, so you know when. When you become better and you think you're ready, let me know, and I might be able to get you an audition. So in less than a year, I said to him, hey, listen, I'm going to LA, can you give me an audition? And he tried to talk me out of it. 
but I insisted. He said, well, if you want to be seen, I, I can get you an audition. And then I talked to the owners of the comic strip, and I told them I was going to L.A., and if they could get me, I was telling, I told them, I'm going to get an audition with the Murder Proofing Show. Can you get me in at the comedy store so I can do it at the comedy store? So they did. So I went, and uh, I. it was a magical night, man. I followed Steve Martin. Oh, wow. I am waiting to go on. Wow. To do my my set, and the uh, the MC Argus Hamilton. Argus, yeah, Argus, yeah, Argus comes over and tells me, uh, "Listen, uh, we're gonna have to bump you because Steve Martin is here and wants to do a few minutes." And I said, "No, no, man, come on! What, what are you? Are you crazy? I can't follow Steve Martin. Let me go on. Let me do my five minutes, and then you can bring." <laughs> no, no, Steve Martin wants to do he it. He wants now. to go on now. He wants to go on now. So I I'm I am beside myself. Yeah. Say, I mean, how am I going to do this? I mean, Steve Martin at the time was like the biggest guy in the in the business. No, no, know? Steve Martin. So I tell you, Argus is something very nice for me. Uh, he didn't know me from Adam, but uh, he, I guess he saw how you know you know upset I was. So he went on stage after Steve Martin got off, and he said, you know, you you just saw Steve Martin, but Steve Martin was not always Steve Martin. Steve Martin had to start somewhere. And you know the guy that's going to follow him, it, you know, is a is a is a is a guy that you know starting doing comedy. I want you to be as nice to him as you were to Steve Martin, and you know, he introduced me. And they gave me all the love, man. That's I, gracious. That was, I, that was, was very nice. It was, very, was a I good was, set. Felt I good killed, about it. I killed. Oh, nice. Mitzi came out of her perch. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was downstairs. I did my set. I come downstairs, and she came down, which. That never does. Mm-hmm. She came down and she says, uh, "You know, uh, started talking to me. What your name?" He says, uh, "So, what do you live?" And I go, "You know, I live in Florida." He says, "Well, you're moving here, right?" And I go, "Well, no, I'm not." He goes, "Yes, you are." I go, "I said I'm making you a regular." Oh wow! And I go, "Well, thank you," but I, he says, "You know, you got the Merv Griffin show, right?" And I go, "What?" What? She says, "Yes." She was sitting with the with the uh, the uh, talent coordinator with Merv Griffin. Oh wow! And he told her that I got it. He loved me. I had a. I killed, man. I I killed. So you got it right there. Boom. I got the Murph Griffin show. I got Mitzi, who made me a regular. And the next day, I had people calling me. I got a manager. I got an agent. I went home, packed oh, my bag, and that's moved to LA. Oh well, that's 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 the, that's what we dream of. I know. I dream. mean, it was magical. I mean, I That's was I was the guy. I was one of the local yo-yos in, yeah. in in South Florida. And the next thing I knew, I'm doing national TV. Man, wow, people hated you. Wow, they did. No, of course they did. They, no comics are oh, some they, of the most petty, crab in the barrel they people. I mean, I am one, but we're, uh, we're we're interesting people. And you came in and boom and got oh, all yeah, that. Oh yeah, everybody and like, wanted to know who's this guy. First yeah. of all, back in the back in the eighties, comedians came out of Chicago, New York, San Francisco, no, LA. Miami. Miami. Who the hell comes out of South Florida? Who's this Cuban kid from Miami? Yeah. Who's this guy yeah. who came out of nowhere? And and then when they found out because that, that I had been doing comedy less than a year, that even made him more pissed off. Oh wow! So, but you know, hey, you know, I moved to LA him. and I, I took off, man. Uh, yeah, but then I well. hit a plateau. Well, yeah, I went I from zero to six. Yeah, but my biggest problem was that at the time that I was there, there were really no parts uh, for. For Hispanics, no, especially I got to be honest. I mean, uh, you, you know, you see on my website pictures of Al, but you're a light skinned Hispanic. They might, they may have not known what to do with you. 
correctly in LA. You I mean, hit I was, it right in on LA. The nose. I grew up in LA. We have Mexicans, and that's all we think hit Hispanics it right are. Right on the nose. He's not. He's, he's, they, they, they had absolutely no idea what to do with a light skinned, middle class, college educated Hispanic. They, they no idea. I mean, I was like, I was an anomaly. Yeah. They didn't know what to do with me. They didn't yeah. know. Yeah. I would go. I would go to auditions, and I look around, and you go, "Who's the odd man What's out? The type? It me. Yeah, you're the off type. Right? I was totally, totally. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so I, they didn't know what to do with me. So I, I was, I got successful in comedy, but what I wanted to do was really act. Yeah. There was no part. There were really no parts. Whatsoever. I know. I believe. I know. I know friends in that situation. They're unique enough to where, unfortunately, I mean, TV's about stereotypes. Let's right. be honest, and archetypes. And like, if you don't but, fit into them, but there were even the parts for uh, for the stereotype Hispanics either. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, very small yeah. roles. No, I know what you're saying. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just so, happening. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, my comedy career went great, but my acting career went nowhere. Mm-hmm. And why live in L.A. if you're not? I lived in L.A. for six years, though. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I got my SAC card. I, mm-hmm. I did a few national commercials, but, you know. Paid some bills, but then you're like, what stand-up is my bread yeah, and butter and right. that's what I want to do. And then I moved to New York. Ah, there you go. I figured New York would be a better place for me. And uh, it was comedy-wise. But again, you know, um, I guess it was in the cards, man. Uh, all along the years that I was young and uh, and at the age group that they wanted to give you like a development deal, uh, there were no development deal for Hispanics. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I had a personal situation with my parents. I'm an only child. And both ah. my parents uh, got sick. Ah, and I had to move to Florida. Once I did that, then my, my, my hopes of getting it, in TV as an actor well, you know, was zero. It's one of those things I always talk about with comics when young or old. You know, comedy is a lifestyle choice. When you try when you try to be a stand up, I mean even more so than acting or any other part of entertainment. I think musicians go through it too. But comedy is a lifestyle choice. Yeah, it is. And if something comes along like and they're not bad things, marriage, kids, death, illness, it affects everything. It's such it could be such a solo and not in a not you know, we don't mean it to be, but it's a narcissistic, selfish profession. And unfortunately, outside forces can totally. Well, this is our this is what I. He's an I, asshole. No, he's a comic. He's just trying to do his thing. Well, this is what I always tell young comics. I said, if you can stay away from a relationship, stay away from it. Right. Because we, well, you know, women don't only get jealous of all the other women. Women get jealous of anything that you have a love and a for. Yes. Because they get jealous of anything that takes, you know, uh, focus away from them. I've had that happen and in many relationships. I know. I mean, it happens. So I tell young guys, don't, you know, because you don't have to be selfish in show business, I I, I I define selfishness as where you can stab somebody in the back just to get ahead. You don't have to be selfish, but you have to be self-centered. Yes. You got to wake up in the morning, and the first thing that hits your head is, what am I doing today to advance my career? And the last thing you think of before you go to bed is, what can I do tomorrow to advance my career? No, it's very... It's, it is. It's you have to, because... It, single-minded, it's a solo it sport. And, you have, and, then, and now also, you know... My advice, female comics too. I wouldn't get in a relationship either because men can't handle you being out of that that town every weekend. Like, no, I, and, and, no, and no, no, I think no. it goes both ways. I think, but I think as far as a comic, no matter who you are, unfortunately, our advice is be lonely. Yeah. You know, first of all, it's better for jokes. You're not angry, but yeah. then you, you know, I got married and I wrote a whole other set, but still, well, two divorces in. But you know, <laughs> yeah, no, but it's, it's it's very difficult. I mean, yeah. I mean, this career, the, the, the your career in show business, you are the product. Man. Yes. 
So you have to look, you have to constantly be selling yourself. You constantly mm -hmm. have to be thinking of how to improve yourself and how to make yourself better for those people out there that are trying to buy the product, which is you. Yeah. You know? No, and exactly. It, so it is, it's a, it's a very self-centered type of And it does affect our relationships. I mean, I think- Of course that, it you does. You know, big time. We're gone a lot. I think it's hard on the families. Yeah. So I think it's good. And, you know, for good and bad. I mean, it's one of the things we have to do. You know, right. right now I'm struggling with the fact that I'm gone a lot, but I divorced, have a young son, I have custody when I'm home, and I feel bad for being gone so long, but if I'm not gone, guess what? How do you pay the bills? No one eats. Exactly. You know, between child support and, you know, supporting myself, but I'm trying to find that balance. Like, I think, you know, a lot of hardworking Americans are, who are listening to the podcast right now, Comedy Fitness Podcast, Yeah. Um, here with Al Romero. You know, we talk about a bunch of things. We talk about comedy and fitness. We talk about relationships. We give <laughs> guidance to... <laughs> Comics, but now talking to Al right now about I want to talk about the transition that you made from land to ships. Okay, uh, well, I if I was if I yeah. wasn't the first, I was one of the very first comics to start doing very very first comedy club comics to start doing ships. Okay, and the reason for that is because Don Casino Production, who's the biggest bookers of big time. In, on ships yeah, are based in, in, in South Florida. And they saw me from the very beginning doing comedy in the clubs. And once I went to LA and I did the Murph Griffin show and I got some uh, credits, Great credits, they wanted me to do the ship. So the, what year is this? Sorry. This is the early 80s. Oh, oh wow. So, okay. Yeah. yeah, I know. Wow. I know. I started doing I started doing ships almost right away. I'm telling you, if I wasn't the first, I was very one of the very first comedy club. No, comedy. you, Happy Cole, guys like that. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, Happy came after me. I, oh, okay, I was, wow. I was doing ships. Listen, when I was doing ships at the at the beginning, all the other comics were all guys that wore tuxedos. Okay, gotcha. They're okay? old school Catskill and, guys, right? And exactly, and yeah. did mother-in-law jokes. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that Take style. Take my wife, please. Yeah, that mm -hmm. style of observational comedy and, and stuff like that was like something completely new for ships. Yeah, they were doing Comedian, old jokes. Yeah, comedians never did that. Yeah. So I was the whole new generation. And so I started very early uh, doing comedy. But I always used the ships as a way to uh, plug in whatever open dates I had in my calendar. Yeah, and now this is also at the heyday of both comedy clubs and the ships when like, you know, now it's a little more corporate on both ends. But like, so you would have a great weekend at the comedy clubs. And then you would only have to do well, you do shifts what Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, something well, like that. Well, no, this is the way when when I first started, what I would do, comedy clubs sometimes will book like a year in advance. Yes. Okay, so I will look, I will book all my comedy clubs. I will look at my calendar and whatever openings I had in my calendars, I gave those dates to the ships and plugged it in. So I was very fortunate because I had very little downtime. Yeah. You know, and doesn't make and the ships always fly you no matter where you are. So yeah. whether it was in LA, whether it was in New York, whether it was in Miami, you know, they will fly me there. So I always supplemented my my comedy club income with ships from the very beginning. But it was it was only a few weeks a year, but as the comedy club, you know, fiasco came about and yeah, started, started closing, crashing. I started doing it more and more and more to the point that now I almost do you know, exclusively. Did you ever go? Well, I don't blame it. It's a, it's a great gig. I know. It's a fantastic oh, Do you want to punch? Do you want to kick? Do you want to get fit? Then join me at Title Boxing Club. Title Boxing Club Alpharetta 
is the proud sponsor of the Comedy Fitness Podcast. That's where I do my comedy fitness kickboxing class. You can contact them at titleboxingalpharetta.com or you can call them at 770-864-5492. Title Boxing Club Alpharetta, where the punchlines hit hard. I swear. I mean... I'm- Risk. Yeah, yeah, I know you wrote your book, yeah. Really, there was real acts of arms, but it wasn't gangster stuff. It was really like stuff like to, it was protection. Yeah, no, like true revolution. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh! What time out? Comedy Fitness Podcast. Talking to Al Romero. I just I, I had to hear about this Cuba story because it was great. Because Car- Carnival is going to Cuba yeah, in a little while, and you know this. And I and asked and, and you know and, and Al is talking to me right now. Al Romero. Well, you know you heard the beginning of the podcast. You know I love Al. He, he, he's taught me a lot. He's been with Carnival for quite some time. He's a comic extraordinary. He's worked with all my heroes, dude. I love the culture aspect. I love your book. First of all, we talked about your book, but like I, I you don't want to go to Cuba. Mm-hmm. Realized that Fidel was a communist. He started working for the CIA, and he got caught, mm-hmm. and he got actually killed in a firing squad. Wow! And he enlisted the help of two of his other uh, brothers, who one got caught and sent to prison for thirty years with hard labor, and another one just barely escaped. So I don't, you know, in Cuba they don't forget anything. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's just Fidel. His brother was Fidel's dad, but his brother and other relatives. They're dying. Yeah. Hey Al. Yeah, it was your Romero. Yeah, they're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And you, no lie, there's a possibility. If you go there, no lie, you can get rounded up. Or at least roughed up, or at least. No, safe and sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to help the regime at all. No, as long as those people are there. Now, listen, if Cuba would still be a communist country, but it had been a transition of people, there are other people running the government, I might have a different opinion. But this is the very same people. Nobody has changed. Mm-hmm. This is the very same, no, same regime. That were there in 1959 are still running 
Okay. It's not so much communism, even though that's a big part of it, but it's the regime. You have a problem with... Okay. And the fact that, you know, I don't know what's going to happen either. Huh? I don't know if they're going to fuck with me. Or yeah. Fuck. No, you go, I know we say fuck a lot, but you know, there's actual, sometimes there's actual fornication. Um, dude, okay, so I, I love that. Like, I, but I... No, I love that principle. I love that, even though, I mean, I know you have, I mean... Part of you has to want to kind of go. I mean, it, I know you don't see it as home. You grew up in you grew up in Miami, but no, I think that's poetic. It's everybody moved over. Yeah, got to have somebody there. Come on, no, no one is there. Everybody go. Oh, well, that's good. Well, are you one of the lucky ones? That's everybody. You look fantastic, by the way. That is true. That is true. Wait, Comedy Fitness Podcast, I know we transition a lot. Let's talk about fitness. I know we're doing a big jump from Cuba to fitness, even though swimming's involved, but not for you. You guys flew. But, dude, like, okay, you are 67. You look fantastic. You know, I've always said, no, it's not a joke when I said it's 67. That is two years past my expiration date. My retirement plan is to die at 65. And you look, but if I look like you, and if I'm as healthy as you, I wouldn't want that at all. Now, I say it financially because I know that I haven't saved enough to live much past. But, dude, for real, you take good care of yourself. You're way better shaped than your peers, and it doesn't just happen. No, no, I mean, I, I made a commitment to, to, to uh, exercising and eating correctly. I yeah. Mean, I made that commitment. I mean, I want to get to be 100. Yeah. I have it on both sides of my family. Yeah, you were a former fatty. Oh, God. Yeah, we talked about that. You were a former fatty. Big fatty. Yeah. You were very fatty. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I have it on both sides of my family. I have longevity. Mm, yes. Yeah. So, you know, I want to make sure that I, I hit 100. Yeah. That's my goal. No, no. Uh, 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 the goal, no lie, is 100. Yeah. Because yeah, you know it's attainable in your family and with eating right. And, I, I have the genetics. Yeah. And if I take care of myself, there's a good, there's a good chance that I Yeah. No, when you say take care of yourself, I, I've seen you in the gym. You work, you're hitting it hard. I love, the, I love, like, I wear the compression sleeves, too. I love the Tommy Copper. You're Copper Man, bro. You're Copper it up, but, like, it works, and two, you're in there doing it. Oh, wow. No, no, exactly. joints can be like that, but you've worked past it by building up strength. You know, I see you in the gym. Now, let's talk about your workout regimen. Like, for instance, today, you were in there. I, I came in. I was in and out. Boom, boom. What were you doing today? Okay. Because the, when you get older, you know, overworking doesn't do you any good. Not at all. Because you need that recovery. Recovery time is the biggest thing as we get older. Just as important. So I work triceps one day, biceps another day. Today I did shoulders. Tomorrow I'll do. The only thing that I combine is chest and back. Okay. A whole leg day, or do you separate legs? Do you take any days off? Okay, so, but in our schedule, I understand what you're saying. Like, 
in a typical seven day cycle, what, five on, two off? No, five days on, like five days working out, maybe two days off in a row, or okay. Okay, work out every day because you're home within the next five days. Okay. All right, because I try to do a, you know, I'm, I'm 44. I do a five day cycle, a seven day cycle. I, five days I work out, I take off uh, the two days following. Then that'd be Saturday and Sunday, but you know what I'm saying? I do five days work out, two days. Mm. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, okay. All nine days. Oh, so nine days straight. So even if I was on there, I would still take off those two days. You will work out the whole nine days straight. Boom, boom. Now, as part of that, just that a routine too? Like mental clarity, meaning like, okay, you're working. I mean, is part of being on the ship to you working out? Like you're working out your element. It's a routine. You don't have the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gives it a rhythm structure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it can get it can get it can get bored. It can get tedious. You know, military waiting, waiting to perform. But like. Let's talk about crunches. Your ab regimen is awesome. Okay. Now I've talked about it. You're doing how many? You're doing a lot. You should be. Well, they either think I'm lying or I'm crazy. Well, you are. You are crazy. You're not lying. I, I believe you. I've seen him do it in the cabin. I've walked by and heard the, heard the noises. I do 3,000 crunches a day. Repeat that? 3,000 crunches a day, sets of 500. 3,000 crunches in sets of 500. Now, I was under the impression it was the same crunch, but you're doing different types of crunches. Okay, but 3,000 and now, I mean, I, you obviously are going for a good burn, but like, I mean, that number is insane. So, I mean, how much time do you think you're dedicating to crunches a day? 30 minutes? 45? It takes me between 15 and 20 minutes to do a set of 500. Okay. Oh, and that's what you're working through. You're working through a set of 500. You take little breaks, but you're working through a set of 500 while you're watching something. Okay. Well, no. Well, you're doing 500 at a time. Well, okay. What are you doing in an actual clip then? I know you're going for 500. What are you doing? The hundred at a clip, uh, four, like boom, 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 boom. one, do, two, three. Yeah, you do reverse crunches. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, and you can get through all that without having to stop. Abs of steel. You're like Houdini. You can take a punch in the gut, bro. You like the crunch machine, yeah. Your legs come up as you crunch down. Yeah, you know exactly. It looks like you're in a like a mechanical fetal position. Like, look at the Iron Baby. Yeah, like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's a long way. So I mean, dude, so you're a crunch man. You're that, which is great. Core is a big deal. So how you know? So how's your back? Your back strong? But. Mm-hmm. Chest. Yeah. No, that's great. The, you know, the more core strength, I have back problems. The more core strength you have, the less back problems you have. Great. Hmm. Boom. Uh, cartilage. Bone to bone. Bone to bone. That hurts. It's painful. But by doing 
Mm-hmm. Losing that pressure. I'm separating a little bit. So by giving that separation, I don't have the bone to bone, and it doesn't pinch my sciatic nerve. Well, there you go. So it's taking care of that. So how about the flexibility? I'm getting an operation. Oh, I bet. Oh, yeah. well, back pain is bad. When yeah, back pain is bad, you look at a lot of all those options. I got to the point that I was walking down the street and I would get paralyzed from the pain. Now, boom, you want to stop? Like, bah, like you gotta, I understand. That's great. That's great. That's the best rehab. I mean, save your surgery, man. You know, why do it? Why do it when you can keep yourself healthy? So, I mean, that's a great work. Okay, so how about cardio? That's my problem. Okay. Let's talk about problems. Cardio likes you. Really? Hmm. Okay. So when I'm on the ships, mm-hmm. I go up and down the stairs. I mm-hmm. do 50, 60 So get your heart rate up. Okay. But you're not. How do you feel about sweating? Because your hair looks fantastic. <laughs> well, you have a great head of hair. Oh my God! I'm a, as a bald man. I'm very jealous. I don't care. I don't care how old fucking you are. You're, that's a great head of fucking hair. Jesus Christ. No treadmill, no elliptical, no walking. I mean, it's really just because you hate it. It's boring. You don't like it. What's up? Really? No, and you're on ships enough where that's a lot of stairs. It's a lot of stairs. But at home even? But with cardio at home? Walk and, you know, in that beautiful Miami area? Be honest. If you don't have one you don't like, dude, did you just play uh, what? Do you play any? Do you play any sports? Squash or anything? Baseball? Okay, okay, but yeah, that's not really cardio. Yeah, you know. When, yeah, yeah. No, when a, when a hero of the sport can be Fernando Valenzuela, that's who I grew up with. When you can, you know, he's basically round. Oh my gosh! I mean, like, I mean, I had a friend, fat late, the fat late. Yeah, round, round. By the way, also a Negro. You see his nose? He had a very large nose. He had a very large nose. So, okay, no cardio, but you do your workout, and then you do, you're do, you doing your uh, the stairs. You're in doing some embedded cardio. Sweating wouldn't be bad, but I understand. I like the rhythm. So how about food, man? Because I see you eating. You're eating pretty good. I, I try to try. I'm not successful all the time, but I try to live in a low-carb diet. Yeah. I try to cut, you know, cut my carbs a lot. If I'm running carbs, I eat something like Mm-hmm. Yeah, they take longer to burn. Now I see you do go with your protein. Now I see you do a lot of chicken breast. You do fishes. You do. Secret. I like secret. But the trick to eating uh, simplex carbohydrates, which is sugars and with complex carbohydrates, the trick. Yes. Yes, please tell the audience. Quickly. Mm-hmm. The ones we want, of course, are. The simple. I like how you say simplex because it sounds like herpes simplex, but you actually mean simple carbs. Oh, simplex? Oh, no, simplex is that simplex. No, no, simple, simple carbs. No, it's, it's simple carbs. Simplex is like a, that's a, that could be a whole fever thing. No, but it's funny, though. But yeah, simple carbs. Yeah. Don't eat a couple of hours before you put the sugar in your body. Mm-hmm. I mean, eat a couple of hours after you eat it. 
Yes. Simple, yeah. Mm-hmm. Boom. So if you don't need anything before or after, you know, your body doesn't take that other food and store it as fat. Mm-hmm. And if you can eat if you can eat the sugars or the simple carbohydrates and then do some kind of exercise, then you burn it off. Yeah, if you can burn it off by working. Yeah, exactly. You just have to know the timing eating. But now see now that's important, having knowledge of what you're actually putting in your body, right? Now now when did you kinda of get into that? When did you learn about food? Because is that a new thing? Because now you're thinking about what you eat, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't lose my weight that way. When yeah. I was glad I did it the wrong way. Well, yeah. You know what I did? You were young. I, you know, I, I just uh, fast. Just wouldn't eat. You know, in five days without eating, first time. That's so hard. That's dedication. Yeah. Yeah. Well, by not eating. That's strength of will. I know. That's amazing strength of will. Wow. It was amazing. No, I understand. Because of a Because of a woman. It's always because of a woman. Ah, we're men. What else? What else will we do it for? Talk to me. Wait, comedy fitness podcast. Talk to Al Romero. We've talked about fitness. We've talked about his his, his hate trend of cardio, but still getting it done. And we've talked about his food, great eating habits. You know, thank you for the breakdown on the carbohydrates. Why did you lose all that weight? That's almost round. Yeah, that's round. And uh, my friend was talking to his to the friend of his girlfriend mm-hmm. trying to set me off with her. And he's building me up. Oh, he's great. He's funny. He's this and that. And I guess you've seen great hair. Uh-huh. And, she, and I assume uh-huh. she asked him on the other line, is he fat? And he, <laughs> and he looks at me, <laughs> goes back to the phone and goes, a little. <laughs> Yeah. She didn't go out with me. Yeah. The next day. The next day. The next day. I lost 70 pounds in three months. Did you ever ask her out? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I ended up going out later on. Yeah, you she did. She didn't recognize me. No, that, that was the point. That was the point. I, you know, I've always wondered about that because men, we are, we, we're, we're, we're sensitive and we're emotional and, and, and like we're dedicated to the emotion. Like something that small can trigger you to like to, to have the strength of will to not eat. That's amazing. Best that ever happened to you. Because it changed my whole life. Yes. I was this destined to go to be one of those guys that never did anything. Diabetes. Got gratification by eating and probably would not accomplish anything in life. Um, but once once I went into that uh, fasting and I found that willpower inside of me, I realized that if I can do this, I can do anything. There you go. And then I applied the same blind dedication and willpower to everything I ever yeah, comedy, lifestyle choices, saving, you know, family, you know, everything, you know, the dedication, dedication and strength of will could take you through a lot of things. But, but so, it's, yeah, you, well, that was the catalyst, right? Well, it was her. I mean, even though it, you know, the irritation of the pearl is irritation of the muscle is what creates the pearl. Right, it's always that thing that bothers you. Especially, I think in guys, I think women have it slightly differently. I think their passions can lie elsewhere. I think with guys, it's a hurt. Like something, something aggrieves you as a man. It's never anything really positive. So, and you realize that you're going to do something to show them all, even if it's even in your head. You know, I'm going to show them. I'm going to prove to. And, you know, the, the best of us keep that fire, but don't, you know, run around sticking in people's faces. The worst of us, you know, you know, accomplish and go, you know, screw you. You guys suck because I explained. But, but it's right then. 
Oh, no, not just that. I just mean in a lot of things. But you're right. But you did it yourself. But you know how hard it can be. But your perspective is different when you see someone, you're like, you know it's possible. You just know you have to, you know. But not everybody can just apply themselves. Sometimes there's genetic stuff. Sometimes there's actual diseases involved. But a lot of it is. A lot of it is. Willpower. A lot of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Healthy. When you say thin, you mean healthy. Oh, yeah. Yes. I know what you're saying. No, no, semantics, but I mean just for my audience. But, but the point is that you have to have a serious conversation with yourself. Not casually say, oh yeah, I would like to be thinner. I would like to be. No, no. You have to make a commitment mm-hmm. that you'd rather forsake mm-hmm. the amount of food and the type of food you eat for being thin and healthy. Mm-hmm. That's step one. Step two is what I call acceptance. Accepting that in order for you to achieve that goal, you have to deny yourself certain foods and certain amount of foods. That is the, the hardest step, hmm. the step that everybody fails at, because theoretically, they want to go ahead and lose weight. Theoretically, they think about losing weight, but they don't, inside of themselves, they don't accept the sacrifice that you have to make in order to lose weight. So you think that's the hardest one? And then acceptance. Mm-hmm. Accepting the fact that listen, this is what I have to do in order to lose weight. And I accept the fact that I'm going to deny myself certain foods and I'm going to deny myself wanting good foods in order to achieve my goal. The third one is the actual dieting. And all diets work. Every single diet works because every single diet is based on the same principle, lowering your caloric intake. They all work. Now you have to find the one that works best for you. Simple equation: eat more, move less. But I mean, you eat, eat eat less, move more. Sorry, but you're right. Different pathways. Yes, different pathways. So you know you have to make the commitment. You have to have the acceptance, and then you have to find the the, the one that works best for you. Which one works best for you? Right. Which one works best for you now? The little cars. Mm-hmm. But now you don't do crazy on the red meats right now. You look a little, a little easy on them. Do you do a lot of red meat? No. Never. I never crave steak. No. Burger? Okay. Yeah, and you're a Cuban, so there's pork involved. No? Yeah? Really? I, I hear that. Really? I love them. Are you kidding? No? <laughs> oh, so you don't like the pork? You don't? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Well, I've been called unblack, but I'm pretty black. I still get pulled over. I like women with the big butts, you know, my diction, but, you know. Really? Oh. <laughs> Where you go? Well, there's a lot of big booty. Well, I understand. So, okay, I understand. You don't, you, you don't have the same desire to go to Cuba. There are a lot of, a lot, a lot of brothers I know. Because I'm like, I can't wait until Cuba opens up. But I'm like, what? You know, I want to go see the cars. I don't want to experience the culture. Pork, I love pork. Gosh, I love it. Dude. Yeah. Cuban sandwich, media noche. Pollo. Yeah. Oh, you love fish. Do you, do you cook a lot at home? No? Oh, that's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. 
fish and seafood. That's the way to go. You gotta keep it healthy. Al, you're an inspiration. You look fantastic. Comedy Fitness Podcast, we're gonna wrap it up. But Al, I know you wrote the book. It's fantastic. Hmm. Because my book, uh, what I did in my um, with my book was, I, I, my book starts in 1956 when Castro lands in Cuba to start the revolution. But it, it takes a step by step everything that happened and how you know he lied to people and you know he convinced people like my my family to fight with him and then turn on them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Cuba Libre is a documentary. Cuba Libre. Cuba Libre, right? The drink. From episode two or three to episode seven, those mm. three, four, five, six, seven, those five episodes, those is almost the documentary of my book. Oh, wow. Okay. So, but the book is? It's called Revolution. And they can find it on your website? Where can they find it at? Yeah, on my Facebook. Okay, your Facebook. I was going to go Al Romero on Facebook. Okay, and you, of course, the comedyfitness.com uh, website will have links, especially when attached to the podcast. Well, Al, thank you so much. I know we got shows tonight. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're working. We're working, baby. We're out here working. It's, it's a pleasure. And then tomorrow we get to fly away. Tomorrow we get to go home. Home. Going home tomorrow. Yeah, all day, you know, first world problems, Al. They don't feel bad for us. This is really, in fact, Al, you have a quadzillion miles. You're like, you might wear a lot of copper fit and you're copper man. But uh, when it comes to status on airplanes, aren't you like double triple pl- platinum? You're adamantium. You're adamantium. That's a that's a for all my nerds out there. Yeah. 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 Well. Well, but still, you're like double executive practice. Yeah, you're platinum for life. You know, you're, 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 you're platinum for life, baby. Hanging out with double platinum, platinum for life. Comedian extraordinary Al Romero. Buy the book, Revolution. Check out the website, comedyfitnesspodcast.com. And remember, as always, guys, laugh your ass off. Thank you so much, Al. Peace.